No, because this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rescue her. I'm going to save Rose Tyler from the middle of the Dalek fleet, and then I'm going to save the Earth. And then, just to finish off, I'm going to listen to the Doctor Who podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to our review of Once and Future here at the DWP. I'm Brent, and joining me this time are James. Hello. Phil. Hello. And Michelle. Hello. This time we're going to be looking at episode six, otherwise known as Time Lord Immemorial, written by Lisa McMullen and starring Christopher Eccleston. When all of time and all of space converges in the timeless place. The one who runs will have to race to stop the sands of time. Initial thoughts. What did we think? I enjoyed every single member of the cast individually, but I think the story and the writing misused or underused them all. (laughs) I'm not a fan of this one didn't really understand what was going on. Silicants uh, were just odd. Um, were they the monsters from Sleep No More? I did want to ask that. No, they have nothing to do with the right. sleep sleep in your eyes. I wasn't sure, um, but they were equally as bad. Um, and, and every five or ten minutes or so, there was a nice, neat plot summary for people like me. So exposition was, was great. But overall... Didn't enjoy it. Certainly the weakest of uh, of these episodes so far for me. Well, we had five absolutely delightful episodes of Once and Future. Uh, and then there's this one, and I've been trying to think of a word to use to summarize it. <laughs> Ian uh, said yeah, twaddle. Yeah, thank you. Twa- well, actually, the best I can do that, that you wouldn't leave out is hogwash. It just... <laughs> like what is this and we're actually supposed to believe this um like james actually most of these characters are favorites of mine most of these actors are Mm. favorites of mine um and unfortunately i think it fell flat this time yeah i know all the actors i don't know all the characters probably about half of the characters i I recognized in this story that's two and and a half yeah, oh, two and a half because it was five, wasn't there? Exactly. Um, yeah, I think this is sort of Doctor Who goes down the the Marvel, or even now you could include Star Wars route of putting stories together. You have to listen, read, watch everything to join the dots in a story, and that's when I start to lose interest because I don't feel I should have to read, watch, and listen to everything to understand who these people are and what's going on. Lovely other performances were. I agree with you, James, that yes, certain people were underused, <coughs> David Warner. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah, so I was a little less than impressed with this one. Well, I'm going to make this unanimous and say uh, I was not a fan of this one either. I really wanted to like it. Um, I just thought it was a big mess. Lisa McMullen wrote this one. She also wrote Two's Company back in August, and I love that one. That's my mm. favorite so far. Mm. So I was looking forward to this, not to mention Christopher Eccleston, but... Um, Definitely my least favorite. 
So we have referenced all the different actors and characters in it. Um, It would probably be helpful at this point, I would imagine, to do a rundown (laughs) of them so that you know who we're talking about. We are, of course, talking about Christopher Eccleston um, embodying the ninth doctor, although we know that in these stories with the degeneration happening, it's not necessarily exactly the ninth doctor. There's Liv Chenka who uh, dates back to a long time in the Big Finish range, um, all the way back to Big Finish's sequel to the TV series, Robots of Death. Um, So she comes from that same world, but she has traveled uh, pretty extensively with the Eighth Doctor and and, and frankly is a favorite companion, one of my favorite companions, uh, Mm. audio companions. Uh, And then, of course, David Warner, who is uh, an unbound doctor, who first appeared in, uh, was it Sympathy for the Devil, James? That's right. Yeah, and and so that would, in that context, it made him the third, sort of an alternative third regeneration of the doctor. But he has gone on to have, I mean, there were a couple of unbounds, but also a whole kind of series with Bernice Summerfield as his companion, um, which, which I haven't listened to all of, but have really enjoyed what I have listened to. So... Uh, and then there's one other character, the Lumiat. James, you you may be most familiar of all of us with the Lumiat. Took me a little while to remember, I must say, because uh, I just pressed play. And I was thinking, who oh, on earth is this? Uh, I know Gina McKee uh, really well. She, she's been in loads of TV that I've seen. And um, I was thinking, yeah, I, I know this person. I know this character that she's playing. Um, and it took me ages to remember that I'd heard her in a story that was part of the Missy range. It was the second series in the Missy range. It was the first story, so pretty obscure, and it was in 2020 uh, when it was released, and uh, I ended up having to hoik it out again just to, just to listen. I, I did have good memories of it, and I do like the way uh, the, the character is portrayed, but essentially the Lumiat is a distillation of the master's good qualities. And the story that I referred to in the Missy Range called The Lumiat focuses on how that happens uh, and explores the relationship between the Doctor and the Master. And, and that relationship uh, was really, really interesting in, in The Lumiat, also written by Lisa McMullen. Um, and once I'd remembered all of that, then this story had a little bit more context. But the thing I objected to was the entire plot of the Lumiat to be condensed in about two lines, which really undersold a fantastic idea, in my view. And uh, I, w- I would have really rather either a little bit more mystery played out just, just to see the Doctor's unease at meeting this character who knew all about him, but didn't really know who she was. And no, nope, within five minutes, she told him. Every hero needs a villain, Doctor. The master, Missy. Through millennia, I have hunted you. From the academy to the hall of the Time Lord Immemorial. No. Hello, Fiti. You. <laughs> I came good, Doctor. You're the master. Not anymore. Sorry, Missy. I am the Lumiat. But you just said... I was the master, but I changed my name when I changed my ways. The master, Missy doesn't change. I'm the bringer of light now. Yeah, right, and I deliver pizza. I destroyed myself for you. Why would you do that? I wanted you to like me. (laughs) What's the trick? There's no trick. I know you of old, Missy. Oh, don't call me that. There's always a trick. 
So, so is this a sort of like the, the anti-Valyard? Valyard, yes. Is this what it's supposed to be? That exactly. is essentially exactly what it is, yes. Oh, right, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I think this this is where I start to get a little bit confused somewhat. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think I'll, I'll just leave that, because obviously this isn't really about the Lumia, is it? This is about, you know, the Doctor degenerating and, and um, sort of find out what's going on, which I'm still not completely certain this has moved along that that much in this episode yet again because there's two more left in the race is that right is it, is it eight to go in, in this series so i think there's still a long way to go and i've got a horrible feeling it's all going to be sort of crammed into the last episode the time lord in memorial um played wonderfully by robert powell is, is an actor whose voice i could just listen to all day long treated or untreated he's, he's just got one of those you know one of those voices that i think is fantastic and lends itself to to audio but yeah, I, I just thought, where's this? Has this been mentioned before? Time Lord in Memorial? Was this just created specifically? No, that? So again, no that's, specifically that's a new this. one as well. That's a new one as well, yeah. Mm. Although yeah. is it really? Because it's basically Zagreus. And Michelle, I'm looking at you because I imagine you're probably the only person for sure who's listened <laughs> to Big Finish's Zagreus. <laughs> multiple, I might be doing... multiple times. Well, this actually did make me think of Zagreus. I yeah. didn't... The thing about Zagreus that, that made me think of it is Zagreus is based on uh, a nursery rhyme that, that they all know on Gallifrey. And I thought that that nursery rhyme and the use of it in, in, in Zagreus and the, and the stories leading up to it was very powerful and very potent. However, to take that exact same idea and, and develop, frankly, a much longer nursery rhyme that it's, it's just, again, it felt like hogwash. It just felt like <laughs> this is... Um, Every you time know, you say hogwash, I expect you to mention <laughs> Harry Potter. Well, 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 you know, the other thing that this reminded me of was flux, because so many things are thrown in that are supposed to be dramatically powerful, and they're and it's all exposition. The doctors and the others do almost nothing. They literally get dragged from scene to scene and just mm-hmm. see things, which means the characters have to describe to us what they're seeing. Um, it It's just... Uh, I, I haven't... Hogwash. Hogwash, yeah. Yeah, hogwash. <laughs> I'll go for Balderdash, actually. <laughs> uh, j- just to elaborate on your point uh, about Zagreus and the nursery rhyme, I thought Zagreus in itself was supposed to be emulating the Five Doctors because that was a celebratory story as well. And there mm-hmm. was a nursery rhyme... Um, that Time Lords remembered how to get into Rassilon's tomb. So, I mean, whether that's a coincidence or a deliberate link there, I don't know. But this this iteration was certainly the least impactful. I've heard Zagreus also, but uh, I had forgotten about that. So this one reminded me of, of Rassilon and the Five Doctors. I, I did feel a little bit um, disappointed and perhaps a little bit melancholic about this as well. And I know Ian felt the same. I barely recognised David Warner. Yeah. I was about yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It took me a while to click who it was mm. speaking actually, which is a um, a real shame. I don't know if he was oh, it's just it's the age or he was unwell. I, I don't know, but it, it didn't sound like David Warner at all. I think I think this was his last recording, um, and it and I I saw one of the pictures of him from that recording session that Big Finish had somewhere. Um, and he looks pretty frail. Um, and mm. I, too, even though I had heard along the way, of course, that this featured him, I had forgotten that when I started listening. And I was trying to figure out who that was. I thought maybe, I thought, is this one of the actors that plays the war doctor who isn't John Hurt? Um, 
And it took me a while to realize that, yes, this is David Warner, who is usually so immediately recognizable. So, you know, it's it's hard to be critical of something like that. But, yeah, it was kind of poignant. I, I wonder whether this was a case of thinking, you know, we, we, we've got an opportunity here to have an additional episode for this range because it says in the extras that originally the Once and Future series comprised of six stories only um, and it was after Eccleston uh, agreed to come on board that David Richardson spotted an opportunity to insert an additional episode so I, I wonder whether or not it was a case of saying well how do we get Christopher Eccleston to take part in this celebratory series without giving him a multi-doctor story uh, because clearly that's what everybody wants uh, is to hear yeah. Christopher Eccleston or the ninth doctor interacting with another doctor now he's he's already laid that down fairly publicly he's not going to do that which I assume is the reason why we didn't get any other doctor feature in this one as well whereas in all of the previous episodes in Once a Future we've had the first the second the third we've had an additional doctor as well and uh, apparently he also stipulated that Lisa McMullen needed to write the script um, which normally would be absolutely fantastic uh, for me because I love Lisa McMullen's scripts and Brent what you said earlier on uh, about Two's Company I completely agree one of my favourite of this series and she's written for the Ninth Doctor as well uh, in his own range and some really strong stories so perhaps it was just a case of too much pressure <laughs> I, I don't know I'm perhaps just trying to uh, make excuses but I, I, I do think it's a real shame that this is the Ninth Doctor entry this is the final appearance um, for Big Finish that David Warner made and for me it's the weakest script from Lisa McMullen as well so all of those three variables that normally you would rely on not to mention a really innovative incarnation of the master all came together and for me just fell flat uh, part of me wonders if that was down to Eccleston because he's been so adamant about not selling out yeah. as he says mm -hmm. and uh, doing any kind of multi-doctor thing because I was really hoping to hear at least one other doctor in there at the beginning or the end like the other stories uh, even if it's just McGann um, to sort of tie him in to all the others but that well, never I happened. thought there would have been a wonderful little opportunity to bring Benice Summerfield in as yeah, well yeah, if it yeah. would, I, mean, I wonder if that will and I guess maybe not maybe we already know who's appearing in the others and I just haven't paid attention but since Bernice Summerfield started Big Finish you know th those audios were coming out even before the doctor admittedly this is a Doctor Who celebration but Bernice is tied to the doctor um, it would be lovely to have her I, have her feature but i'm not sure that, that that will happen yeah he called her in at the end and i thought for sure she would have at least a line well but, especially yep. as david warner and lisa bowerman were partners yeah so. yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so she got a name check I, i'm not yeah. sure that reads <laughs> Well, we, we'll have to wait and see whether she does appear. I, I think if there's going to be an emergence of an archaeologist, it will almost certainly be River Song. What was that? I don't know. I love not knowing. Blimey. Liv Chenka. Do I know you? Oh, charming. I'm the doctor. Uh, um. Oh, yeah. And so's he. Ish. Hello, doctor. Remember me? No. Not scuba. Wait. You're the doctor... And so's he. I know. Like buses. A sort of. He's more like a cheap knockoff and if Time Lords fell off the back of a lorry kind of a doctor. Do you mind? Let me add one more thing um, because it, it's something that both Drew and Ian brought up last 
recording session about the motivation for Missy and, and the concern that, that Missy was so blatantly about uh, trying to attract the doctor. And it didn't bother me so much in the last episode, uh, actually very little, and, and or, or as a part of Missy, but the trouble with the Lumiat and this one, and actually the Lumiat story that, that James is referencing, is that this entire carnation's whole reason for being, and she states this herself, is that she made herself good. She turned herself into this good version to attract the doctor so that the doctor would like her. Um, and, and on the one hand, I love the, ex- the potential exploration between the friendship, enemy, you know, dynamic, potential attraction, you know, in some, some incarnations between the doctor and the master. Um, and in fact, my favorite line in this uh, is where the Lumiat talks about how she is both the doctor's oldest foe and oldest friend, and that mm. they're bo- both mm. important to her. I like that idea. However, this incarnation, which I think is very promising, this, this anti-Valyard, if you would, loses a lot of that because the entire motivation, with, with no reservations, is to attract the doctor. And that, that is problematic, I think. You know, it, where, where I didn't mind the way it was handled in the last episode, for me, this, and frankly, the story of the Lumiat from, from the Missy series, um, crosses a boundary, which is too bad because I love the idea of the Lumiat. It's interesting. I, I've been having um, a similar conversation with Ian uh, via text. And um, uh, yeah, obviously he, he did raise that and he had the same issue uh, as you. I don't so much. I, I do understand uh, why why there's a problem potentially. Um, I think you've used the word attract there in your description, which is quite an emotive word. And I, I, it's not to attract in a sexual way. Uh, it's purely to try and bring her closer to the doctor uh, after she's completed the redemption arc, which started in season 10 mm-hmm. uh, on, on screen with Peter Capaldi. And one, one thing I think Lisa McMullen has done brilliantly in the story of the Luminat is examine the nature of the relationship between the Doctor and Master. Um, and that has done at um, quite a leisurely pace in the Lumiat. And this is why this particular story does it a bit of a disservice because it just kind of summarises it really quickly. Uh, and actually, it's quite a deep quite a sensitive uh, and, and emotive subject um, and I don't have the issue with it uh, and I don't mind the fact that the doctor and the master seem to or in particular the master wants to get closer to the doctor since the gender change you might not like the story but that is the story that's been written um, and the story that's been written has been given a lovely little twist by the creation of the Lumiat. Um, so, so as far as I'm concerned, it's not a major issue. Would I? <laughs> I don't like the particular direction of the overarching story. I don't think it's incredibly fascinating. But if you're gonna do it, this is the way to do it. <laughs> well, what did we like about this? Anyone? Eccleston was good, uh, and I, I think I've, I've been fairly critical of the way that Eccleston's played the Ninth Doctor, um, and I, I, I do think for the majority of this story. He was emphatic, a little bit like a over-enthusiastic schoolboy. But towards the end, the last 10 minutes, he dialed it right 
back and you got the the version of um the ninth doctor that had the conversation with rose in episode one of the 2005 series about like the earth turning and he he was slow he was measured he was thoughtful and his words were powerful and that's the ninth doctor i've missed because it's basically totally absent from the ninth doctor range uh but so i i very much liked this uh this element of the ninth doctor and one line that I believe it was Livchenka said towards the end, I think it was, "Is that it?" <laughs> just as they just as they they got to the crescendo, and I empathised entirely. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I thought the music was great as always because Howard Carter is a genius. Uh, the acting was really good. I thought the psionic sand people were kind of cool. Uh, how it can move and disappear and and it talked and you can actually understand what it was saying um that's about it (laughs) (laughs) well i will say that uh i did actually like the voices of the sand people i'm not sure i liked them actually as a concept but i thought well that's kind of cool coolly realized i have to say i was not a fan of the music in this one because i thought it was overbearing i mean both the music and the the text implied that this was some incredibly important story that was being told, and I just yeah. didn't buy it. I'm like, no, you know, you have you have not earned this music. Well, I think for for me, we we, we finally get a bit of a, a a slight move along of the overarching plot uh, for this series, where we find out that a little bit of these sort of li- quite literally sands of time um, have, have been used to create the weapon. That makes the doctor degenerate, and uh, yeah, I, I thought you know we've we've moved a little bit along with that, um, and it's quite literally. I mean, I like the literal interpretation of the sands of time. It is literally sand; it's sentient sand, which I actually quite enjoyed, to be honest. I know it's sort of very, very simple, uh, but sometimes simple works, and I think that's probably the the, the the most simplest thing in this plot that I actually understood, if I'm perfectly honest with you. But that's so. because Liv sat there and said, "Oh, the sand is." rising up it's boiling can you see what's in front of you and me and we're just yeah, having to articulate yeah. it that's like so in other words it was described to such a such an extent yeah that's it so um but yeah the performances were good uh yeah eccleston was great he felt like the, the ninth doctor this time around i agree with you james he hasn't been quite on the mm. ball um so far but i think the the dialogue helped to a certain degree um in this one and yeah, and, and Robert Powell. I'm just a big fan of Robert Powell. I think he's just been sort of under um, underused. I think he himself said all the years he's been in, in, in been acting, he was never asked to be in Doctor Who. So this is like one off his um, off his list now. He's, he's achieved that aim. So um, from from that point of view, I'm very happy for him. I am friend and foe. I always have been. Well, we've got one more left for this year, and that's actually coming later this month, so it won't be long till you hear us again. That'll be The Union, starring Paul McGann, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, and Carol Ann Ford. And keep your ears peeled, if that's something you can do. Uh, On our feed, uh, you have Phil and I geeking out fairly soon. Hopefully that will be online towards the end of this week. We're also going to be covering uh, the three David Tennant and Catherine Tate specials. We're not quite sure how yet, uh, because we don't quite yet know for sure when they're going to be broadcast. But it's next month, guys. It's taken this long, and it's next month. Um, I have a sneaky feeling 
that all three are going to be on consecutive nights. And if that's the case, that's going to create a real interesting challenge where it comes to our coverage. Um, I think we'll all have to do a single monologue each or something like that. <laughs> um, we have a new range uh, of podcasts coming out soon where Michelle and I are going to go back to 1999 uh, along with Prince and uh, go back <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and review uh, the big Finnish main range from scratch. And I think we're due to finish that range in 2078. Um, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so loads, loads to keep your ears out for. Uh, in the meantime, you can contact us as always via via Facebook or indeed our Facebook page uh, on Twitter or X at the DR Who podcast or you can send us an email at feedback at the Doctor Who podcast.com. Is that everything, Brent? That's everything. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you all. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you next time.